This is a direct continuation of my previous podcast. With the French economy on the brink of collapse, the three estates met at the Estate General. Despite the fact that the third estate made up 98% of the population, they had the exact same number of votes as the other two estates. Because of this, many of the proposals made by the third estates, which would be making their lives easier, but the other two estates just a bit harder, were very easily shut down. Being incredibly frustrated with this, the third estate formed the National Assembly and wrote the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen. King Louis XVI, recognizing them as a threat to his power, vainly tried to lock them out of their place of assembly. However, it didn't take the, too long for them to realize that there were probably other places that weren't locked. So, finding an indoor tennis court, the National Assembly swore the tennis court oath, vowing to continue meeting until their demands were met. As the situation in Paris worsened, the king called in the members of the French Guard to the capital, and members of the National Assembly heard that the, that the king was doing this to round up members of the National Assembly and arrest them. In response, they decided to create their own army, the National Guard. However, they had one problem, and that was a shortage of weapons and gunpowder. Fortunately, they knew exactly where to get some. And so, on the 14th of July, angry mobs stormed the Bastille, a large prison and symbol of the royal tyranny, and got exactly what they needed to arm themselves. Meanwhile, the National Assembly adopted the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen, which promised equality and freedom for all men. This document would eventually go on to influence the United Nations Universal Declaration of the Human Rights in 1948. Despite the fact that their rights were gradually growing, it didn't change the fact that they were still starving. So, on the 5th of October, thousands of women decided to march to Versailles, where the king lived. Upon reaching the king, a number of them broke in, and King Louis was forced to accept that he had to work with the National Assembly and headed back to Paris. Fuck it. Back in Paris, the king was gradually stripped of his power over the next few years. The National Assembly, which had changed its name to now be known as the National Constitute Assembly, began making plans to have a government where the monarchy and the assembly shared power. King Louis did not like this at all, and on the night of, the, of June 20th, 1791, he tried and failed to flee the country. The assembly, taking this as a giant middle finger, agreed to suspend any power the king once possessed and make him little more than a constitutional monarch. But as it would happen, there was also the War of the Force Coalition going on. France started this war with a number of losses against the Prussians, 
so the French citizens, in an attempt to find answers, simply blamed Marie Antoinette. This caused an uprising that, long story short, resulted in King Louis being stripped of any position in the government, which means that the man once known as King Louis XVI is now simply Louis Capet. The loss of his position as monarch meant that he could now be tried as a regular citizen, and several months after the ab abolition of the monarchy, a vote was held to decide what to do with Louis. By a margin of just a single vote, it was decided that King Louis was to be executed for treason. And several months later, Marie Antoinette would meet the same fate. The execution of Marie Antoinette is the beginning of what historians call the Reign of Terror, a period of time where Maximilien Robespierre had ordered the execution of anybody that was deemed anti-revolutionary. It's estimated that 40,000 people died during this period between 17, September of 1793 up until July of 1794. Unfortunately for Robespierre, he didn't anticipate the possibility that he may fall victim to his own terror. His own men had turned on him and in executed him, thus ending the reign of terror. For the next five years, France remained in a state of constant chaos and political instability, as various regions wanted different things out of the revolution, and some just outright didn't agree with what the revolution stood for, and the federal government couldn't maintain stability. This all changed when Napoleon, a rising general in the French army, had just returned from Egypt and the people of France saw him as a hero. He amassed an army and overthrew the Directory at the time. And for his outstanding victory, Napoleon awarded himself the title of First Consul and gave himself absolute power over France. With this, he completely reformed the French society. Some of the biggest contributions he had made was the modernization of education, creating an emphasis on scientific and technological studies. He made it free and accessible to all Frenchmen. He had also written the Napoleonic Code, a civil code that standardized the law across the nation before the different regions of France had different codes and laws. The Napoleon Code is actually still in use to this day in France and other parts of the world, like Quebec. Unfortunately, it would appear that for every step Napoleon took forward, he would also take one back. All rights that women were granted during the revolution were taken away, meaning that their lives were basically controlled by their husbands, and they couldn't also enjoy some of the the contributions that Napoleon made, such as the free and universal post-secondary education. And with establishing himself as first consul, Napoleon also replaced an already democratic, albeit unstable, government with a, with a dictatorship, which is precisely what France had before the revolution began. 
Throughout his time as leader of France, Napoleon was involved in a large number of wars as foreign monarchs aimed to re-establish a monarch as the absolute ruler of France. The first war he was in was the War of the Second Coalition, beginning when Austria declared war on France in 1799. Napoleon, using groundbreaking military strategy, quickly and swiftly defeated his opponents to win the war. There were many factors that contributed to his military success, one of which was the inspiration and trust he created within his army. His men were high on morale and would willingly do anything that he had ordered them to. At one point in a battle against the Austrians, he ordered a group of his soldiers to cross and capture a strategic bridge, which was occupied by the Austrians. It was seen as a suicidal mission, but his troops had trust in him and did not argue, and still managed to capture the bridge. Another factor to his success was the strategy he developed. He broke up the French army into smaller armies, which alone could move at much faster speeds and were, could live off of the land, meaning that they didn't have to rely upon supplies from France so much. This speed was perhaps the biggest source of his success, as it gave little time for his opponents to respond and often caught them off guard. These factors, along with a number of others, is why he was so successful in the wars he faced. Every time another country declared war on him, he would win. Everything was going nearly perfect for Napoleon, except for his conquest with Spain. He was never able to get a proper hold on the Iberian Peninsula, and with this exception, he was doing great. Despite being in a constant war, it took him over a decade to see his first major loss. On the 24th of June, 1812, Napoleon began his invasion of Russia with over 600,000 men. Just like with all his previous conquests, he was seeing large success. There was one slight problem, though. The Russians weren't prepared to give anything up. You might remember that Napoleon set up his armies to live off the land, and in this case, that was his major downfall. The Russians retreated when he came in, but they also burnt everything from crops to cattle to housing, and thus they had left nothing that Napoleon's men could live off of. While this did make things harder for Napoleon, it became lethal to his army once the winter set in. While relying only on supply from France, his soldiers starved. With nowhere to sleep and improper clothing, many also froze. It was devastating for his army, and when the spring of 1813 came in, his army left Russia. Following death from disease, starvation, freezing, Napoleon returned home with just a hundred thousand men, one-sixth of its original size. Now weakened, this opened up an opportunity for what would now become the Sixth Coalition. Many of Napoleon's former allies turned on him, some because they grew to not like Napoleon, and some because the United Kingdom was paying large sums of money for people to, for nations to join the fight. 
With a much smaller and weaker army, Napoleon had no choice but to rely heavily on the inexperienced conscripts to fight in the War of the Sixth Coalition. The final major battle of this war was in Leipzig, where Napoleon lost, sending his army on a permanent retreat until Paris was eventually captured. With all hope lost, Napoleon abdicated and was exiled by the Allies to the tiny island of Elba. But after ten months of his exile, he, he returned to France, which now had another Bourbon as the king. The people of France quickly came to despise King Louis the Seventeenth, as it had just left them in the exact same situation as before the Revolution. Upon returning, Napoleon was greeted as a hero and quickly amassed support as on his towards his journey to Paris. Even the people who the king had sent to capture Napoleon, who many of them were his former army uh, soldiers, they decided to defect to join Napoleon. Upon reaching Paris, he overthrew the, the monarchy and he was back as emperor. Unfortunately for him, the other monarchs of Europe weren't happy to see him and declared war on the man himself, Napoleon, and not France, the country. In an attempt to make other nations ask for peace, he attempted to knock the British and Prussians out of the war who were in Belgium, and it was there at Waterloo where he would see his final major battle and also the final blow to his reign as emperor. Losing the war, the Allies sent Napoleon to one of the most isolated places known to them, a tiny island in the Atlantic called St. Helena. He would spend his remaining six years of life there before succumbing to stomach cancer in 1821. And to this day, the, 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 the reputation of Napoleon is still in debate. Was he the savior of all French people who made society better, or a war-mongering tyrant who ruled with an iron fist? That's all for my podcast on the French Revolution Napoleon. Thank you for listening.